After 20 plus years of clinical practice and business coaching, after thousands of hours spent on doctoral research and interviews, Dr. Elizabeth Joy has concluded there are massive misconceptions about the world's elite. It's time to disrupt the archaic thinking surrounding professionalism and success, providing leaders with safe space to unpack the wins and woes. Now, let's join Dr. Joy for Disruptive Discourse. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disruptive Discourse. We are interviewing Colton, who is a helper. He's in, in the helping uh, human service field. Um, and I'm really interested to see, he literally, and I, I, I don't know his deeds, so I'm gonna literally learn with you guys, but he literally just um, relocated uh, a cross-country move made a significant shift in his career and within that human helping professional world we have been focused in on that in the joy society uh one of my many backgrounds is being a licensed social worker what i know is that helping professionals tend to focus so much on giving to others that they find it difficult to give to themselves so i'm really interested to see what colton's going to share especially also that he's a guy in a field that typically doesn't have a lot of male representation. So let's jump into this conversation and see what we learn. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Disruptive Discourse. As I always say, we have an awesome guest. As you all know, I handpicked my people. So I always feel great about the conversation that will unfold. Today we have Colton with us. And Colton, we've already um, done an introduction of you and sort of a little bit about your background. But um, just to kind of set us up, as you know, Disruptive Discourse is all about disrupting archaic definitions of professionalism and success. And so I'm curious for you, I know you have a nonprofit background. You're very passionate about what you do. And I would say you're a bit bit of a disruptor in your own right. So when we kind of just kick this conversation off of the concept of disrupting archaic definitions of professionalism and success, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I actually feel like it's a really really timely question in a lot of ways for me um, being in a, a major kind of life transition but also career transition over the last six months or so and Mm -hmm. um you know the first chunk of my career which was eight or nine years uh spent in operating emergency shelter i i just it's interesting looking at these scores and i know we'll get into it but my my idea of professionalism and and success was was really completely career driven um at the at the cost of a lot of other areas in life and i was i was okay with that and and a a lot of that was because of how passionate i was and how i felt like i'd kind of i kind of stumbled upon a really purpose-driven and fulfilling career um but but when i when i am actually real with myself and and i've had a lot of personal growth and I'm, i'm sure we'll cover some of that but getting to this point where i feeling like a more well-rounded person. And um, I've, I've noticed, oddly enough, it hasn't come at the cost of like sacrificing mm. my career fulfillment or 
feeling like I, I still um, am in a, a vocation that is that's kind of aligned with my my purpose and my values. But as far as you know, romantic life, family life, physical health, all of those things, uh, I, I feel like I'm getting more of a, a well-rounded kind of mm. idea of, of who I am, and that that has felt really good. Um, and I think I needed to kind of be uprooted uh, from my from kind of the the previous uh, place I was at. But so yeah, I, I just feel like success um, for me for me has definitely shifted in a lot of ways and in a very good way. And so I I really hone in on the the idea of waking up and feeling like I am a part of something that's bigger and that what I'm doing to to earn a living is is something that I feel like in my life uh, I am supposed to be doing or it aligns with my values and my purpose. And so that that's like a, a cornerstone for me, but the success of those other areas of life is a new is a new thing. Mm. And I feel like I'm just kind of like it's it's a it's a good time to be having this conversation. I, I feel like I'm just kind of like getting my getting my feet wet and what that means mm. in a more holistic way. And so, I yeah, um, I, I guess that's a, a roundabout way of, of kind of uh, describing what that means to me today. Yes. So uh, this is already, I'm like, my brain is on fire right now. I can't wait. I'm like, okay, be still. Let him finish his answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my question, you said, I want to clarify and just make sure I heard you right. You said that you, I believe you said you were experiencing what you would have defined as professional success in your professional sphere in that you were defining it being in a job that you felt really passionate about and really appreciated the meaningfulness in what you did. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were succeeding, right, in living that out. But I think I also heard you say that essentially the success that you had in that career space was also requiring basically a lack of success or um, compromised success in the other areas of your life. Yeah, mm. that's okay. You said that better than I could say it. <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard you because, you know, uh, uh, as I mentioned to you in preparing in many of the cases so far in our interviews, I've either coached or had in-depth interactions with my guests. You are someone who I've only minimally spoke to. So I'm really, I, I, I get the, the honor of just kind of like watching this unfold like everyone else, because I'm learning you as we talk. So can you say more about that? Tell me about what are the other areas that were suffering as your career was measured high because you were operating in passion Um, about the ways in which those other areas, what were they and how did they suffer? Mm, Yeah. I, I think right off the bat, the biggest, the biggest area that I feel like, um, kind of, I was, I was falling short in was the idea of maintaining close and and healthy relationships. And that, that can, that can be classified both romantically, but honestly, I'm thinking more so initially, even close friends and, Mm -hmm. and family and, you know, recognizing I my whole career was in Columbus or my whole career in shelter was in Columbus, Ohio. And 
you know, that's, that's not a far drive to Cleveland where, where all of my family is. But mm-hmm. um, I did feel like, you know, I had nieces being born, nephews being born. And I, I always had this kind of thing in the back of my head that was, that was like, I, I, I wish I could do more. I wish I could be there more and have that be, if, if I'm, if my life and my time is a little pie, just have that be a bigger slice. And Mm. I, I couldn't get myself out of the rut of, well, if I make that slice bigger than my, then my job slice has to be smaller. And, you know, you get, you get in the rhythm of, of what your workplace, your colleagues, uh, those who you serve, uh, the guests Mm -hmm. in shelter, what they kind of expect from you or what they're used to, how they're used to seeing you show up. And so you kind of set that benchmark and that standard and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to walk that back or it's hard to adjust Mm. it um, without feeling like you're not giving it your, your full attention anymore, or, or you're not giving it the, the value that it, it warrants in your life. And, you know, part of that is, is, I mean, much like yourself, when you're on the, you're founding something or you're, you're there from the ground up, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a certain level of attachment there. And that was also mm. the case for me. Um, and so it was just priorities. I, it would be hard to verbalize that, but at the end of the day, if something came before, it's only a matter of time before it kind of got put to the back burner. And I mean, I know, you know, before I, I met Lane, I know that was a frustrate. well, even I know it was frustrating for her as well, but, uh, it, it completely put a damper on, on dating life, but also those close friends over the years who, if they weren't right in front of my face or I, I wasn't living with them, things would just kind of drift, drift away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that relational well-being, I think it's, it's interconnected to some of those other ones, emotional, mental well-being, and even spiritual and social, obviously. So mm-hmm. those, that was kind of the driving force, I think, that led to a lot of other those of those other areas kind of suffering. Um, and, and I was okay in that space. Like I, I was getting enough out of my job that it wasn't like, I didn't feel like my, my life was in shambles or anything, but it was when I had those moments of, of like reflection and, and as rare as they were in kind of the hubbub of everyday life, it was, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm neglecting a lot here. And, um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that in the last couple of years and specifically since moving out here and kind of shifting roles that has, that has looked different. And mm. uh, I loved my previous job, but it's, you know, it, you can't talk about it without all talking about the whole picture, which is yeah. what was my, my whole life experience like while being in that role. And so, yeah, it's, mm. it's a lot to, a lot to look back on. So I'm curious because you're saying I can't talk about that part of my career without looking at the whole picture. But would you would you say that while you were in it, you felt that way or were you struggling to look at the whole picture while you were in it? To just were you just saying, like, I just love my career. This is so great. And this is important work. We've got to do it and not able to really see. And now you're like, no, I could talk about it. But I'd also say these things. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And, and that's actually make as you're saying that I'm I'm realizing and me and Lane have talked about this meeting, meeting my life partner and and 
sharing life and, and living all those ups and downs and around the clock with a person who is getting to know you and, and seeing your ups and downs and emotions, that was really the, the impetus for me being able to kind of, yeah, reach that point of, of seeing the bigger picture. Because like you were saying, up until that point when it was just me and I was, whatever the case might be, dating casually, living with my friends, like that could be the centerpiece. Like my job was my son in the universe mm. and I was fine with that. I was, mm-hmm. I was happy with it. I knew there were, like I said, I had passing moments where I knew uh, some things are, are a little off here, but I was, I was not able to see that whole big picture until I had someone that I, I loved and trusted who I knew knew me very well and, mm-hmm. and was with me day in and day out and, and just started to kind of ask some of those questions and, and kind of, um, Hey, that, that isn't normal to, <laughs> to get a, a call at 2 AM on Friday and like, just be expected to drive into work kind of thing. And that, that's just a, one small example, but that, that conversation with my partner and that connection, mm-hmm. which previously was not really something I, I had or even thought I wanted really. Um, that was a big part of me being able to see the bigger picture. I think sometimes just having that presence outside of your own head that, yeah. that you, and you have to trust that person too. Otherwise I, a lot of people told me that over the years, <laughs> right? Like, Hey, your job is like running you into the ground. And I'm like, they don't, they don't get it. Um, but I knew she was coming from a place of love and I, I trusted that. And so that was a big, a big piece of kind of getting that picture. That's really interesting. So how long Colton, because I'm assuming that based on what you said, right? So you had people telling you, yo, your job, yo, okay. Like dot, 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 <laughs> fill in that blank. Right. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing that when your partner brought it to your attention you probably didn't hear her the first one two three being the coach that I am and I know you know I laugh with people all the time like what do I do for a living in that space I tell people stuff over and over and over again until it finally resonates for them and they activate so there's a lot of and if you think of parenting that's what parents do you just say the same thing to your kids over and over and then one day they get it so like so you had your friends telling you and you're like yeah whatever but I'm guessing when your partner tells you this, probably not the first, second, how many times, I'm sure you weren't counting, but I'm assuming that it take a while for you to really hear her as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very, a very astute observation. No, that's, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. She'll, she'll tell you that as well. I mean, it, the reality is it was a, it was a source of stress on, on us and our relationship because for, yeah, for so many years at, it is the number one priority. And when my priorities start shifting, like Lane, my family, uh, our life at home is, is kind of starting to overtake that as my number one priority. And like, there's, but your behavior isn't aligning with it being your priority. Yeah, Uh yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, there were, I think it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to think like time-wise because it was over the course of, of a couple of years and and covid the pandemic really i think exacerbated a lot of that and made it more of a an issue that we needed to address mm-hmm. um because a we were spending a lot more time around each other and getting sure. closer 
but also my my role was really escalating just in terms of demand and, and stress at work. And so I think at some point we we just reached a decision together. And you're right though, I there was a lot of time where I I would hear her and and You'd and be like, duly note that in the notes and put that on my yeah. cabinet to review it another time. <laughs> Right, right, but I, I, and I knew I felt I still felt that like that obligation and sense of duty. And now that I'm, I'm kind of like entering that headspace. It was a, in the pandemic that sense of duty even got more intense. And so I'm like, yes, I, I hear what I you're hear saying, you, but, but these like, people really need me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, over time, I, I think um, things just things just started to align more where. I, I knew I, I needed a change for, for my own health, for, for her health, for the health of our relationship. And I, I knew that she was right about many things. And I also have really a lot of close friendships and relationships with people I've worked with in the past. And, you know, we, we, we didn't shy away from those conversations. When you're in a role that is, is demanding a lot of you and, and you feel like it's taken a lot out of you, those connections with with people that are in the same workspace, mm-hmm. whether they're doing the same exact job as you or not, I mean those those connections and being able to vent to each other and process things and just have some like real moments like this shit's crazy, right? Like yeah, <laughs> it is. And then we just kind of like continue along. And with then our you day. chug a beer and then go back to the same <laughs> life, right? That's right. <laughs> this shits right. are crazy, and I'm going to resume now. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's and that's how we. I mean, that was our way of of getting through it, and and that's why those people will be my my friends for life. But yeah, there there comes a point where your the things that you prioritize and value just shift and change, and that was happening with me. And like you said, my my behavior was not matching up with it, and so eventually, we we did make that decision together, and. Um, that's when I, I kind of started looking for for other roles, and then we we planned our move out west. And so, yeah, it's it is interesting to kind of have a moment to reflect back on that. I'm like yeah. doing it in real time with you. I right love now, it. So We're capturing it. I'll, I'll get yeah. you the footage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious because I know that you moved, as you mentioned, that was part of this. Do you think? Because I'm I'm literally this is awesome because this is real time reflection. Do you think that you would have been able to make this shift had you not also made the decision you would move to across the country? Because that obviously, when you move across the country, you got to get a different job, at least in your case. Do you think that if you wouldn't have been moving, you would have been able to make that transition when you did? Yeah, that's, mm, yeah, Mm. we (laughs) thought about that that quite a bit. I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I could have, I, I don't know. I don't know that if I, I necessarily needed to move across the country. I, I couldn't say that for sure, but I knew, I know that I needed some It was sort forced of disruption. Yeah. It was yeah. forced disruption for you. It, it really was. It was. And um, that's, that's, I think a big part of how I was able to just fully invest and jump into this move is like, I, I knew to some you degree. had to right yeah in yeah. order to move yeah so you know I think that's interesting because when I think about the folks that I've coached or you know had conversations with when we're doing trainings or different things sadly 
humans tend to not activate self-disruption. We Mm. tend to need to have disruption come for us. And so I I normalize that that's the case for you in this. But it's also something that I think our listeners should note is that self-disruption is is really a skill set you 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 I would suggest folks learn because if you think about it what this ultimately means if you're if you're not someone who activates self disruption on a semi regular basis we don't want to be disrupt self disrupting so much we're unstable but if you don't disrupt yourself you are waiting for the shit to hit the fan yeah right? The rubber to meet the road. Like, so somebody got to break up with you. Somebody has to die. Somebody has to fire you. Somebody has to downsize. Something essentially tragic tragic has to happen. And then we have the, oh, maybe I should make a shift. And so I just want to pause to do a little coaching moment to you and all of our listeners to say, I think this is a great example of, of what I see. Again, the trend is that folks because who is leaning into change? Nobody, <laughs> right? We're not yeah. typically humans are, are creatures of habit. And so if we got to change, think about it. Like when you're at work and they're like, we're going to do a new email system. You're like, oh, I want, you know, like everybody's resisting. This is why change management exists, right? Because the whole goal of change management is to move every individual and activate them to buy into the change so everyone moves along. But no matter what your job or workplace ever says or life, if there's a change, humans are like, I'm not here for it, right? And so when we show up to life that way, we tend to avoid disruption until it's forced on us. And then we have these experiences happen that are hard because you didn't get to choose it or you didn't choose to choose it. Therefore, you didn't you don't get the benefit of planning. Right. And and having some, a little more choice in it. Now you're just in response mode, which is a little more crisis oriented and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'll pause there. I just want to kind of insert that as I'm kind of processing and we're live processing your journey. I just think that's a perfect reality to just have folks know that self-disruption is in order. That said, I want to ask you, you use the term I really am loving. You said the duty. What was it? The duty... Your duty, maybe that was the only word, your duty within the role. And so I want to double click on that shift a little bit, Mm -hmm. because as we talk about disrupting the archaic definitions of professionalism and success, so we've had some corporate folks on, we've had some business owners on, but nonprofit folks are in a different world in this way. From what I see in in having my roots as a social worker, I know the nonprofit world. I know the nonprofit mission-centered mindset. I've never used the word duty, but when you use that word, I'm like, oh my God, that's it. And so when I think about the observations I've made, and even in the Joy Society community where we have several helping professionals in there, and, and the thing we're working on with them is to disrupt what it means to have this duty to those you're serving, right? So in your case, Mm -hmm. you have this commitment, you are passionate and very empathetic to the fact that without the work you do, these folks are living 
in the cold on the streets, right? So the shelter is huge to them. It may literally save their life. If you've got a counselor, they're thinking like, if I don't lean in to do every counseling method, this person may take their own lives or they may just continue to kind of cycle in this um, self-destructive pattern, right? Or if you're working with youth, if I don't help these youth, they may not make it to the bright future that I know they can do. And so helping professionals have this, the debt, the professionalism and success really isn't the language with helping professionals. Success isn't the word they use. It's the commitment to the mission, the duty, and so can you just describe, because I think this is huge and I'm very invested in disrupting what it means to be a human service professional, because I think the whole idea of it is laced with unhealthy realities. And I think your story is is revealing that. But tell me about prior to where you are now, which I, I think I hear you saying you're sort of shifting that. What did that duty mean? Describe your duty. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. It, I mean, it was it, in a lot of ways the the driving force, and I think it's it's hard to it's hard to reflect on that that intense sense of duty without like without also confronting sort of this inflated view of of self. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, um, Ooh, like going there, Colton, they're gonna be mad at you. <laughs> I mean, it's that, that's a lot of, a lot of, uh, I think just personal growth and self-reflection of, you know, this idea of if I'm not present or if I'm not doing X, Y, Z, then, then the ship is going to sink, or Mm. maybe it's not that dramatic, but there's going to be a significant drop off. And I think, I think part of that is, um, is you just get, you you hoard things like I I've over the years, I hoarded so many responsibilities and tasks Mm. and and it's just this idea of um, I, I don't necessarily think that I'm, I need to be doing all of that for, for the operation to remain afloat. And I, I, I think for a long time, I didn't believe that. Like I, people would say, you believed that you did need to do all of those things or the operation would completely like, wheels come off or some person may die or somebody's not going to get the support they deserve. And, and do you think to yourself, and then that makes me not as caring as I, as I say I am, if I'm not over here giving my whole life to making sure every potentially homeless person I encounter, if I'm, if I'm not living this life where that that's my identity, then am I really Mm -hmm. kind? Am I really caring? Do I really, am I really who I say I am? Yeah, exactly. And, and should I, do I even deserve to be in this role kind of thing? Like it, am I, am I worthy of, of such a, a delicate or in, intense role if I'm not willing to just pour out my cup day in and day out, you know, regardless of the cost. And yeah, th- those are like, those are real, real struggles um, that I had because of that sense of duty. And yeah, I, it's, it's tough because it's tough to to reflect on it as far as like giving a, a good answer because that is something I still I'm still working through and mm. I think with a lot of helping professionals specifically in nonprofits that I've come across it's just so it's so normalized to be like yeah my my life's a dumpster fire but 
we got happy hour and we'll, we'll come back next week. And we'll, right. And, and we helped some people today and we helped yeah. peeps today. So don't worry about that. My stuff's on fire. A kid got served, a person got a meal. And so that makes it all better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and again, going back to, to what we were saying about those, those workplace connections being so important, I, it's, it's a double-edged sword because you can kind of use those as a, as a, as a crutch in a lot of ways when you know you're, your well-being is is taking a taking a beating, um, mm. but you kind of have this camaraderie um, in the the helping profession because you all have that in common, right? Like yeah, you, you have that and you're piece. reinforcing with each other, like, yeah, man, we gotta we gotta push through. These people need us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I mean, that's that's where the word disruption does does come into <laughs> to play because I mean to to not do that or to be like. Hey, like we need we need to start like thinking about ourselves and our mental health differently. That is like a novel concept in a lot of those novel conversations, yes. which is crazy because oftentimes these are mental health professionals or yes. health. You know what I mean? It's yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's a lot of it's it's interesting. So, Colton, did you just one more question on that? Did you tend yeah. to think like if you were to start considering? you know, your partner who's knocking on your door, like, yo, what about our relationship or your family? Like, so your niece is now, you missed the birth. She's turning one. You're going to miss that too. Did you ever like start to vacillate to consider that, but then think, how could I even consider prioritizing my family or my partner when these clients, these people I'm serving have it so much worse than me? How dare I put myself before them? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's, that's where that question of, yeah, I, it, it was this, if I'm, if I'm going to shift priorities, reprioritize and, and make it for the birth or like be, be there for those moments that I, that I want to be there for, um, then maybe this, this isn't the role for me. And I think that was, that's so you guys, it's like an all in or all out. Like I either have to go all in for the people I serve at work or for my family, but we can't do both. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying that's what it was for mm. sure. I, I think since, since then I've, I have learned and, and grown a lot and I, I don't think that the, it's as black and white as that. I, mm. I mean, it can't be, it's, it's just not, but for me at that time in that space, I, I felt like I was kind of past the point of no return in a lot of ways. And I did, I, I was able to, to some extent, put up some, some boundaries. Um, you have to, I mean, you don't, you don't make it multiple years in, in a, <laughs> a high crisis type of field without some, some healthy professional boundaries. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of, yeah, prioritizing those areas of life, there was that, there was that idea, like the people staying in, um, the shelter that I work at, again, going back to that sense of duty, it, it, it's, I, this is my first priority. Uh, if, if something really pops off there, I, I drop everything else to go there. And I think that fact, uh, spoke a lot in terms of where I was showing up in my, in my life, quite literally, actually. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm so glad to have you on because I feel like this is a this is a population 
meaning helping helping in human service professionals that I'm very passionate about. Um, and really, I'm on a mission to disrupt whether they want me to or not. <laughs> yeah. How we define what it means to be a very quality human service and helping professional. So that said, let's shift over because I really wish we could have had your true success scores um, a year ago versus now because I'm looking at them and interestingly, looks like career is, and, and then we, man, I got so much I can double click on here. Career is in the lower half of the eight and you've got romantic family, physical, emotional, spiritual ahead on one, uh, on all of them. Um, so I, I assume those are the areas that were, were taking, taking the beating, which obviously I think you already alluded to. So tell me in your new world where you were semi self, semi self disrupting and semi force disrupted, yeah. You have this new life you're living, and I imagine that you're experiencing life in a way that during that time, as you're reflecting, you couldn't imagine. So I'm going to ask you to reflect in this moment when you think about, because, wow, look at these scores, which were perhaps not even showing up on the on the radar if you would have scored yourself back then, right? What's How would you compare what life feels like for you now um, and, and that concept of duty versus then great question i yeah i going about these these questions i think intentionally i was i was trying not to think too hard about them right mm-hmm. and when, when i saw the scores i thought it was really interesting because while my career well-being is is like on the lower path there um i it didn't necessarily feel that way as I was answering the questions or I don't necessarily feel that way. Well, and let's be clear that it doesn't mean it's low. It doesn't mean it's low. It just means when we, when we see which ones came in first, because I don't, your ratings aren't low, just so we're clear. I don't, these aren't low ratings. They're just some other things have come up. So I think that I'm glad you called that out because it doesn't mean you no longer love your career. It just means there's some other great things happening as well. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and it's interesting because like, I don't, I, I do feel like uh, my career well-being isn't a very good place. And so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because you, you see the, the bar graph. Yeah. Like, oh, you're like, oh crap, I better. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I don't let me be the reason why you go back to where we just came from because I don't support that at all. I love how you're showing up today. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. I, but to see those, to see those other areas, um, that were that were really lacking. Um, it's man, it, it it does feel it feels really good just because I feel like I feel like there's different there's different seasons in life, and you know you you kind of have your inner voice and your gut that that's telling you whether it's it's time for a change or I I need to make a shift in priorities or it's it's hard to it's it's really hard to self disrupt, but like there needs to be some level of disrupting and just recognizing like it's I'm not in this place today where I've I've got everything figured out every area of life is is exactly as it should be in in all of those things but I I feel like I was able to listen to that voice and that gut feeling with a lot of help from from my my partner and 
um, I'm I'm seeing the the benefit of that. I'm I'm seeing the the health that comes from having a, a home environment that feels that feels like home and feels like family and investing in those close relationships and being able to have like that that uninterrupted time. Um, I cannot I cannot speak enough about <laughs> what that has done for my health. Um, mm. I think in uh, in a, a lot of helping professions are do have that element of around the clockness, right? And whether yeah. that's a hospital, a shelter, etc. Um, and being I, I, I never realized how much those that inability to shut off the the phone or that inability to go off the grid um, does does start to take its toll. And so that has been one of the most potent shifts. Um, and I that's what when I talk to my my friends in shelter and all of those folks that I've worked with, I I make sure to bring that up because like the, it's it's something that I didn't realize until I, I had mm -hmm. it. And so like Friday night when I know that I have the whole weekend with with Lane and with our dog and our cat and it's just there's there's nothing that's going to to interrupt or impede mm -hmm. that time. You're able you're able to absorb that time and let it fulfill like fill you up more than than I ever was able to. And I didn't even know that. Like mm. I didn't even know that I I was not getting that. I mean I, I knew that when the phone rang at 1 a.m. I was stressed out and it kind of put a damper on the evening. I just didn't know what um that that ability to really unplug with a loved mm. one uh, and not have to be pulled into duty um what that what that did for me and it, it didn't necessarily come at a cost of giving up my career well-being either and so um yeah that's that's one thing that that has jumped out as a big just looking at at these these categories from this assessment um yeah so on that note, I, I want to circle back to the career because this is critical and I'm so glad this came up because when we do assessments, we tend to like get extreme, <laughs> right? And how we see things and we, you know, humans know how to uh, criticize and, and evaluate the hell out of ourselves. And so I wanted to bring your answers up because I want to double click on this idea that your ratings for career, there were other things higher, but it doesn't mean you're not happy in your career. So out of a score of one to five, you scored four on I'm clear about my career aspirations. You mm -hmm. scored a four on, on I'm productive in my role and effectively balance those efforts with my, my non-work needs. I guess that would have, I don't know, what would that a score have been before, Colton? The part about effectively balancing <laughs> totally yeah. ruins it for you, right? <laughs> Um, and then you've got some, some mid-level scores as it relates to your current role and, and how it, um, allows you to advance and whatnot, but I know you're in a new role, so you're probably still even discovering those answers. Yeah. I don't even know that you know fully what those answers are. And then you have, um, a four in... I am actively working towards education certifications, whatever, that help to maintain uh, a, a progression in your career and that you feel hopeful about your career trajectory. So mm. you don't have any low ratings here. Like 
your lowest is a three out of five. So I, I just want to, again, reiterate that because, again, what you're saying here is I feel good about where I am with my career at this time. Yeah. While you're also, your ratings say, and I'm loving this romantic space. I'm loving my social space. I'm loving physical health is, is working well for me, right? So, again, I just want to reiterate that that it's really critical that we're thoughtful about because, again, I don't want you you or your partner because you went back into to crazy land about how you balance your work. So curious, yeah. now that you're in this space and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're living a life that you not only couldn't imagine, but you weren't capable of aspiring for as it relates to, you know, we don't really believe in work-life balance within the Joy Society. I don't believe in it. I believe in harmony. Because there are times where you go hard in one area purposefully and you know that you're going to check down a little bit one or the other sphere. So it's more about the ebb and flow of it than it is keeping them all aligned. Also, I would just caution you, our goal isn't necessary to get all those at the perfect top because life is this, right? It's fluid. And so as long as you generally, I think the measure just helps to bring it to your attention, but that yeah. sensing that you have is really, to me, the way to you to measure. Like, so when you think about your work, if you feel at peace when you think about it, that's the measure worth going with, right? These just give you something to like double click on. But if you sense that you feel good, you don't feel stress, then that rating we can't put right in in a measure because that's something that's inner, right? So just mm -hmm. want to throw that out there, but just considering this journey you've been on and you're so fresh in it. So I love that again, timely conversation. Yeah. What, what are those things that you bring to your friend's attention who are still living in this mindset of duty, duty, we've got to do the thing. We've got to help the people because, because how dare I not prioritize myself when these folks are struggling in a way I'm not struggling what would you say to them in this fresh space you're in of really being able to still very clearly remember that other life, right? And mm -hmm. know what this is looking like now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think those conversations, I, I try to come at, um, you know, in a way that's not like, I, I don't want to be hypocritical, right? Cause right. Because you just I lived could, that life for like freaking nine years and you were in that same mindset. Yeah. And, and <laughs> in a sense, I was, I really struggled with that self-disruption piece. And so how am I going to turn around and expect, I know nothing, I know you're not moving across the country. I know nothing crazy is <laughs> happening, but like, hey, think about making a change. Something to consider. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I think, I think I'm more, um, tailor those conversations to the person. So like, you know, a, a colleague that, that maybe has expressed to me that, you know, they, they feel like they have a very specific skill set, and, and they're, they worry that, you know, moving on from this, this space or this um, role, it, it would be hard to find that next landing spot that felt like a, a, a move up or at least laterally and that they would kind of be continuing on this successful career path because where they're at within this, this workspace, you know, they've, they've been kind of moving up the ladder. And so I think just having that conversation with some folks about what, what a pathway launch pad to a new role even 
looks like or could look like, um, I, I think has has been some really some really like cool and productive conversations because like I I've worked with just some like incredibly skilled people and I think sometimes I I needed this as well. We we need help in in realizing that like our skills or experiences can translate to mm-hmm. to different spaces and. Like, I, I mean, I, I was looking at some roles that were completely not even in the, the realm of homelessness. And ultimately, I, I did um, land in a role that is, is very geared toward it, but just in a really different context. And so I, I think those conversations, are, it's important to not like, I don't just over prescribe and say like, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. But it's just, it's A, checking in on, on how they are doing and how they're feeling. But um as far as that sense of duty goes, like it, that, that can be applied elsewhere. Like Mm -hmm. there, the ship is not going to sink. And also (laughs) you, you may be able to expand those skills. Um, because while, while I have worked with very skilled people and I was guilty of this too, you, you almost feel like you're flexing the same muscles every day. Um, and so being able to, to kind of use those skills and experiences, but, work out different different muscles in a new role that's mm-hmm. been like that's been really exciting I mean I and I I want people to not miss out on that if that's something that they they feel like they want to pursue so I think it's it's just the it's just the outlining and collaborating with someone that like you do have a path to a different space or role if if that's what if that's what you you want to do and that's what you feel like you need to do for your your health, your family's health, and not not being too forceful about it because someone may want to stay in that role for for long term, and it's and it's good for them. You know, everyone has a different um, experience and just a different natural personality and work ethic, all of that stuff. So, yeah, just it's been some good conversations, though. It really mm-hmm. has been. So I'm curious, you have grown in in having these epiphanies it, and in in what success in your career means I, I think I heard you ultimately saying that success meant coming through at a hundred percent opt-in rate on performing your duty that was what we how you would define success back then and 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 I I don't know if I don't know, did your personal life even come in, but I'm curious, how did you define success then? And how are you defining it now? Yeah. And, and are you meaning more holistic or, or like career success? Well, overall, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that your overall answer still would have, even though I would have asked you overall, your answer would have really just highlighted the one area. Because that was the only measure you had. So I'm asking overall, but I feel like if I would have asked you that question back then, even though I am asking about all eight, mm-hmm. at least the way you were living, according to what you shared today, the answer would have been, um, we do this duty thing really well and let the chips f- fall where they may. Otherwise, I'm really hopeful to be able to do as well as I can in the other areas. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> I think, I think for me, the biggest, the biggest difference, um, from, from then to now and how I would measure success, both, both definitions would include that sense of 
of purpose and duty in work. But the difference, the difference today would be, um, not, not at the, the sacrifice of my physical, mental, emotional health and the, the health of my relationships with people I love. And, mm-hmm. um, that, that's, that's a pretty big addition to the definition. Sure. Um, so I, and recognizing at least I'm, I'm new into this journey. Again, I've only been in this new role for almost six months now, recognizing that there is potential for those things to coexist, fulfilling romantic family relationships, and also um, feeling like I am connecting to that sense of purpose and work. Those, those two things coexisting for me right now feels like success. And um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I also, I've never been someone who has this like end, end game career goal necessarily. And mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, not trying to be this specific title, title. or, or yeah. role. It's, it's more like if, if I am changing jobs and this is the first time I've changed jobs in my adult career, do I just, do I feel like it's on this, this path some that, that may open up doors to the next opportunity kind of thing. And that's why I, I kept a really open mind in this job search just because there was not this exact role that I was looking to jump into. And I, I do feel like that has that open-mindedness in terms of wanting to stay on that path of finding fulfillment in the sense of duty, but also recognizing like this next role could open up a whole new set of doors and, and experiences and, and skills. And I, I really like that kind of open ended possibility to approach that I guess I've taken to my career. And so that, that also I have found does make me define success a little differently. It's not as like concrete. I've reached this milestone and I've, mm-hmm. I've achieved success. Um, it's a little more free flowing and that, mm-hmm. I mean, case in point, I, I studied finance and economics and landed really kind of stumbled into <laughs> a temporary role in shelter and like, look, look where that sent me trajectory wise. Sure. And so I try to kind of keep that, um, that energy or that, that spirit behind the career path. And it's, I, I'm really grateful that it has brought me where it's brought me, I guess. I love it. It sounds like what I always, uh, with coaching clients, I always talk to folks about living in so that you can be, mm. listen to what is being said since, right? What's coming up so that you can be naturally guided by the universe, right? So I love what you're speaking of, because to me, that's part of success. And that's, there's success, meaning the effective accomplishment of it, of maintaining a spirit and mindset of openness. And there is, then that leads to success, because now I'm able to sense and respond to real time, whatever the universe is showing me, be it that, Mm -hmm. whoa, I wasn't thinking this, but apparently it's time for a career change or, oh, I never really saw myself dating or getting serious, but here's this person. And now I look up and I've been with them for so long. And so I sense that I need to reevaluate what's priority for me in the relationship lane. So I love hearing you talk about that openness, because I think that's one thing folks get sometimes so rigid and, and then like, 
okay, you set the goal, but what if that's not, that's not, shouldn't be the goal anymore? Are we open enough to be able to reevaluate? So I love hearing that. So that said, I, I want to, we've spent pretty much all of our time talking about professional um, and we have talked about the intersection, right, of your professional and career realities in your personal world. But I do want to give you an opportunity to share as much as you're in your personal world, because we're all about personal and professional development. We're all about a whole person. And so we're, when we say disrupting the archaic definition of success, when I think of it, when we think of through the, the lens of Joy Society, we're saying holistic success, right, where you're thriving, living your best life in all of these areas. Again, not necessarily that out of a 20, you got a 20, but you feel yeah. good about it, right? And it's not an area you're either avoiding or feels all, almost dead. So tell me a little bit about the personal side. What have you worked on? Where are you growing? What are some of those those clear things you can say, man, I was struggling with this, I'm here now, or maybe I was and still am, but I'm in route in these other areas in the personal side of things. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think that from from a personal standpoint, um, I mean, the biggest the biggest thing I know I've, I've harped on it and it's this this relationship with my partner has has kind of spawned a lot of personal growth. I am. I am by nature a very in, introspective and introverted and kind of self-sufficient type of person. And mm -hmm. the just the the concept alone of of sharing my And now you got a boo. <laughs> yeah, now, and now I'm booed up. And it's and it's been I mean, it's been a pretty pretty miraculous journey with with a lot of ups and downs and we've we've been through a lot together. Um and just so, so much growth personally. I mean, when you're, when you make that commitment to, to share your life with someone recognizing like there's, you're going to have to be transparent about some of the, maybe the, the uglier inner honest pieces of yourself that maybe you're not a bit the biggest fan of. And when that, when that is revealed and that person sees it and it's like, oh, that's okay. Like, the, the love, mm. the love kind of fills the that gap. And, yeah. And you can move forward together. I think that has been really big just to like be, be seen and heard by another person that you're connecting with and being very real with that person. Um, just feeling like a lot over the years, I, I just didn't feel a need necessarily to, to be very open or truly like, sharing emotions and i know that we could have a whole discussion about <laughs> that's part two <laughs> part two yes exactly but um that i think just getting in touch with that side of myself in the context of of a close relationship has been a huge area of growth i i'm i have in the past struggled with struggled with addiction and um i do you know not to go too in depth, but some, some mental health issues as well that, um, have always kind of battled. And that is, that's an area where I do feel like a lot of personal growth has been made. Again, it took the step of being transparent in that case, you know, sometimes it involved family or depending on the situation 
a therapist and, and being able to have that level of transparency and, okay, I, I do need some help with these things, or I do need to pivot and change in this area. Um, the idea of, of self-care was really warped in a lot of ways in, in that, like, I, for a long time, I was doing the work hard, play hard thing to my mm. detriment. And that's where a lot mm. of that, the, some of those issues came in. And, and so, yeah, pivoting to this idea of like holistic self-care. And again, it's not like I've, I've mastered it at this point, but and at least- And do note that we never do, Colton. So please don't make I, that yeah. a goal. Okay. Right. <laughs> but, but being able to just like <laughs> scratch at that a little bit and, and know that like, have, have that idea that it's not just about, you know, going 80 miles an hour at work and then cramming in like drinks before bed that that's not like taking care of myself for me, for me, that is not taking care of myself. And so having those realizations and man, yeah, could tell, could tell some stories there, but <laughs> it back to this theme of like, sometimes I, I, I do need to work on that idea of self-disruption because even in those areas, it, it sometimes took a really drastic event to kind of shift my mind and get me, get me on a different path. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that has been an interesting kind of reflection going through my head as we have this conversation, mm. but yeah, a lot of, a lot of areas of growth there, um, relationship being the biggest one. And then some of those, yeah, some of those personal issues that it, it took a lot of transparency and work and still are, are working through in a lot of ways. And we won't do the full the full version because I definitely see a part two. But I do want to just at least hit the surface a little bit. Can you share a little bit about, you talked about masculinity and I was thinking it right as you were saying it. And I, I have such a heart for men. I, you know, women, we, we have, we, we are, are often the prey, right? And we, yeah. it's very known and it's very voiced what what women deal with in this world. Um, but I, I have a heart and passion for the fact that the male, the our male counterparts, while they are, quite frankly, oftentimes the source of some of the pain and issues that we deal with as women, they are also humans. You are a human as a man. And I'm very passionate and, and concerned about this gender conditioning for men and, and even some of the behaviors that result in men behaving badly towards women or boys behaving badly towards girls has to do with this conditioning. And so I appreciate you sharing that even to get into, and it's so funny because so many men will say at some point they met this amazing partner who ultimately, as they brought those walls down and, and allowed themselves to really show up for real in that relationship that it, that it gave so much to them, but getting there, right. Is a whole thing. So what can you just share about that, that challenge and battle and I guess um, stretch or strain between the conditioning of the, what it means to be a man, which typically means what non-emotional, whatever you can tell me. And, and this movement you're making, which is a journey that you'll, you'll be on but you're on and you've made some progress. Tell me a little bit about sort of what that looks like and what it's been like to move from over here to over here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. It's a, I know loaded it, it, question. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's just, a, it's a big one. Um, yeah, I think that, sorry, I'm just plugging in my, I realized my computer wasn't plugged in, but I, I think it, it can be a very, and it is a very painful process in many ways because, um, you know, it's so funny. You come across this like innate defensiveness and I, so like, just for example, like me and Lane, we, we have a lot of conversations about this and, um, there is that element where I'm like observing myself in defense mode, just talking about like manhood in general or like mm. struggling communicating about emotions and that, and I like, I try to sit with that like defensive instinct. Cause I, I think it's, I think it's very telling in a lot of ways and, and kind of the point in many ways. So like, I, I think about a quick book plug for bell hooks, the will to change it. Cause we read that together. And I think the point of it, and I, I recommend that to so many people I know, and it's not like you have to agree with every challenge or have to agree with every point that's brought up about, you know, what, masculinity and manhood and patriarchy has looked like historically to right now and in your own like personal life but it's just that that being open to that to the discussion of, yeah a little yeah. bit of that discussion and i think like the idea that it's not anger is not the only emotion that is is acceptable for for a man to demonstrate like in society is is alone a pretty a pretty like meaty topic and i just felt like i making a lot of space to to kind of have a safe space to reflect on that and talk about is hard it, it's hard to do and i think a lot of that that's a lot of the reason men and myself struggled with that that idea of kind of shifting a mindset or having growth because it's it's hard to find those spaces to like be honest or have like allow your inner child to kind of speak without without being shot down or um, mm -hmm. labeled something and so it's it's just really it's it's been a an interesting and, and difficult journey in a lot of ways but um yeah man that that's a that's a topic i that's I a, part to just, yeah, a part I, two i, I will it. circle back colton we will do it because i i my team knows it's a passion for me. I, I just feel like, you know, even the fact that a woman can run around the world and say how um, mistreated she is, but a man can never say that either because women will quickly respond with, look what you do to us, or because mm -hmm. you will then quickly be called uh, less than a man because you sat there and complained about what something someone did to you or how unfair life is. So I'll circle back to you, Colton, and we will do, maybe we'll do a special uh uh, a session or segment just on that, because I think that I, I, again, I honor that reality and I appreciate and honor you today because I know that it's, I don't take lightly that you are showing up in a recorded session that you know will be put over who knows where and just being able to be willing to yeah share even a piece of that so thank you for that i'm sure lots of folks are appreciative not just guys but women that perhaps can hear this and 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 think about how they show up in a way that not only uh, uh honors um 
men, the men in their lives, but I think there's a way to do this. And I'm sure you and your partner work through that of how do you have conversations that doesn't require either person's reality or challenges to have to be negated or, or overlooked, right? And mm-hmm. we can still honor one another. So I, I definitely would love to circle back. And, and so as we wrap up, I want to ask you, I saw you taking notes, which I love. This is like a coaching session, which I love to do. It's my favorite thing. So I'm going to have your final question, which I haven't done this before, but today we're doing it. Colton, what you learned today? Because you were taking notes, buddy. And I'm like, I might have to follow up just to see what you take from this because this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've been taking a lot of notes. It's, it's one of those things I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for this conversation, um, again, this theme that keeps popping up because I I think sometimes I am, I am worse at self-reflection than maybe I I give myself credit for. And I don't even know if if that really makes sense or if it's really a a full thought. So you think you're better at it than you are? Is that what you're saying? I think that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. And I don't always realize that until I, I get, I get some things that kind of jar some, some thoughts loose and, and that's why I was writing down a lot of the the discussion on on what it means to, or how how we're thinking about the idea of, of self disruption and um, versus the kind of like circumstantial disruption or however it is mm-hmm. you termed it. And I just feel like I I've got a lot of things to to kind of chew on from this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was your goal, but it's it's been accomplished. I love it. Yes. Yes. Can you, are you willing to share one or two things you're chewing on other than the idea of perhaps you need to self disrupt more often, more often? (laughs) No. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, one of, one of them is, uh, I, I have been thinking a lot about the, the importance of relationships, not, not just with, uh, family, friends and, and partners, but, uh, professionally as well. And, and just some, some of your questions about, uh, those conversations that I, I have had with coworkers, it just kind of, it kind of got me thinking about, um, you know, what I'm doing to foster those relationships with, with colleagues in my new role. And Mm. I'm in a completely virtual workspace, which is, has been really new for me and um how that looks different and and being able to connect and pour into each other's lives but some of most of them having never actually met in person it's just i'm i'm thinking a lot about um that piece but um what's what's another thing i wrote down here i think just like development wise i'm i'm almost i i think it's important for you know we go about our day-to-day workload and we, we all have a lot to do in many ways, but I, I want to, I want to carve out more of those spaces for self-development, whether that is like intentional self-development. Yeah. 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 Like when's the last time I've spent a couple of days in like a, a training that I was really connected to. It's, it's been a long time and those kind of things. So it's, it's interesting what the conversation has kind of made things pop up, even though, it wasn't maybe explicitly discussed, but it reminded me of something. Mm. So I'm just constantly, yeah, I've got a whole, I have like multiple. You have homework. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've got a lot of homework, but uh, that's, that's a good thing. It's, it's a homework I, I should and probably want to be doing. 
I love it. Well, Colton, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your transparency. I This was, you know, we always start these. I don't know if folks know. I don't script these a whole lot. And so yeah. I do that on purpose just to allow for flow. I already shared. I love to just let things unfold. And, and I just feel like you brought some gems to this that lots of folks will benefit from. And again, just thankful for you being a guest today. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I've, I'm, I'm honored to be in this space. So thanks for, thanks for the chat and thanks for having me here. Now listen, oh my gosh. I don't know how y'all feel about that. My hair is probably jacked up. This metaverse is awesome, except I need them to come up with a better headset. But anyway, uh, whoo, Colton, honey. Now you want to watch a flower grow? That's how, that's what just happened, right? Like that was just so amazing to watch. Like that's what I see in coaching sessions. So it's like one of the things about coaching and, and clinical work is that like it's so confidential, right? So it's this private thing. And I know how magical it is, but your everyday person has no idea. So I think that's the closest I've ever experienced to being able to like have that thing recorded. And you guys got to see what I see when I literally watch somebody grow in front of my eyes uh, when I'm coaching them. So, I mean, where do we start? Right. I think, again, I knew when we started this conversation that the helping professional component would be interesting because I just know that that's a struggle, right, for everyone who's in a helping human service professional type of role is like the biggest heart person you're ever going to meet. Right. And so it literally is sacrificial. It's all about helping others. And so even for me, one of the things that I learned along my journey was like, Ooh, this whole thing of, of making it my responsibility to change the world, first of all, it's not a thing. And second of all, that's exhausting and that's literally killing me, right? And so I've talked to many helping uh, professionals and they struggle with that idea of putting themselves before a client or whoever they're serving. And so to hear Colton describe that um, and it, even looking at his the fact that his true success results as he mentioned, like they are totally different now because he finally kind of found a different way to look at what he does for a living. But when you think about that, you see your role, and this is not just limited to helping professionals, but when you see the work that you do as your priority at the suffering of pretty much every other area of life, I think again, not just helping professionals, but we live in a world where we've grown up defining ourselves by our job, our role, our title. Like most people, when you meet them, they're gonna say their name quickly followed by what they do, right? And so I think this is just a perfect example of how we need to challenge that. And again, that's the reason for this podcast is to really help all of us disrupt this rut we're in to kind of like live that way and I think just listening to Colton describe, again, starting off before he was in his current relationship where his friendship suffered, and then being in, in his serious relationship now and that suffering, and then like he's literally fresh off of this change and is starting to see how this perspective of making work the thing and almost seeing yourself as a failure. I think he mentioned that he felt like, especially again as a, helping a human service professional that he had to have these other areas of life suffer in order to do this well. And so I hope you guys are paying attention, especially all my helpers out there. 
this is live, real content and context that there is a better way where we can continue to be passionate about helping others, but we can also be passionate about ourselves. It's not, you don't have to choose between your well-being and your client's well-being. And I would ask for you to think about if our mission is to help others, if our mission is the world to be a better place, right? But in achieving that mission, we have to drop so low, right? In in our own well-being, whether it's our emotional well-being, physical, relational, whatever, are we even achieving what it is we set out to do? So I hope you guys think about that. And, and I know you guys, I've worked with a lot of helpers. I just did a keynote recently uh, with the National Association of Social Workers. And boy, I know, I know the idea of putting these people who have it worse than you uh, second to yourself sounds crazy. But I need you to understand that when you do it, you ultimately get them better results because when you show up better, they can do better. So we're actually focused on this in the Joy Society right now. We have campaigns going on. We're going all in on the human service and helping professionals because we've done this work. We've done a three-year program with specifically black uh, professionals, human service professionals. And we chose that because we said, if we can help these people be healthier, they will go and help even more people. We never told them that's what we were doing. And we watched over a three-year period, every single one of them went out and helped more people and did it in a better way and, and did it in a healthy way. So they're literally living this life where they can be proud and happy about who they're helping, but also feel good about who they are and be healthy on the inside. So if you haven't uh, already joined us in the Joy Society, I highly recommend at least go to joysociety.com and check it out. We have a pledge for our helper peeps that we hope you take. We have one for both individuals and organizations. We got all kinds of stuff set up for you guys because we really wanna invest in the people who really do that thankless work. I think even during COVID, other than commercials that helped uh, or thanked uh, medical peeps, which we honor you all too. Counselors were still counseling, mentors were still mentoring, and, and, and you just don't get thanked, barely at all. We know that, because this is what I used to do. So please come see us in Joy Society. Follow us on um, all the social media spots, right? Um, if nothing else, maybe check out the True Success Assessment. See where you are. Uh, as Colton kind of described his stuff, see how you connect in that way. Um, and we look forward to seeing you during the next episode.